Uh, and uh, we'll have a little discussion afterwards, but uh, when Brother Erickson asked me to come, what I did was uh, just uh, start praying. I said, okay, God, what do we need to do here? And basically, I felt like uh, he said, take what you did last Sunday and repeat it. <laughs> so both what you're going to hear is, is what we just taught last week to our church and what we preached last week to our church. So uh, I'm just going to follow that, uh, that lead. Um, what I'm going to talk about, though, is something that has to do with what is uh, known traditionally as the unforgivable sin. The blasphemy of the Holy Ghost, the unforgivable sin. And um, it's a, that's a traditional view that this sin is once you do it, you're toast. Once you have done the unforgivable sin, you are just waiting for your demise and your judgment to follow after. And so I'm going to try to take those traditional ideas and kind of challenge them as I teach today. Um, and so where you find the, the uh, supposed unforgivable sin, let me just say this as the beginning. There is no sin that is unforgivable. Right. There just isn't. But the worst sin is. But the idea that there is one sin that is unforgivable is a traditional view that I'm going to really challenge today. All right? So let's start right away on Matthew chapter 12 and verse 22. If you'll read that for me, Susie. Then was brought unto him one possessed with the devil, blind and dumb, and he healed him, insomuch that the blind and dumb both spake and saw. And all the people were amazed and said, Is not this the son of David? But when the Pharisees heard it, they said, This fellow doth not cast out devils, but by Beelzebub, the prince of the devils. And Jesus knew their thoughts and said unto them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. Every city or house divided against itself shall not stand. And if Satan casts out Satan, he is divided against himself. How shall then his kingdom stand? And if I by Beelzebub cast out devils, by whom do your children cast them out? Therefore they shall be your judges. But if I cast out devils by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God is coming to you. Or else how can one enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods, except he first bind the strong man, and then he will spoil his house? He that is not with me is against me, and he that gathereth not with me scattereth abroad. Wherefore I say unto you, all manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto men, but blasphemy against the Holy Ghost shall not be forgiven unto men. And whosoever speaketh the word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But whosoever speaketh against the Holy Ghost, it shall not be forgiven him, neither in this world, neither in the world to come. All right. Amen. So it sure does sound like there's a sin that is unforgivable. That's what it sounds like. But when, when we're approaching this, we've got to approach it in context. One of my favorite sayings is a text taken out of context is a pretext. You got to have text, then you have to have context. If you don't have that, 
you come up with a justification right. for what you believe, all right, instead of finding the truth, all right? So um, Beelzebub, let's just talk a bit about Beelzebub a little bit. Beelzebub is actually, it means Lord of the Flies. But when when you are reading, <laughs> but when you're reading uh, the Hebrew and Jewish literature, it comes out Lord of Dung. Of course, flies and dung go together, right? Okay. So the Pharisees capitalized on this idea of the Lord of Dung, and so um, they used it as a scornful vilification of anybody that that was against them or challenged them. And so when they use Beelzebub to Jesus, you know, there is a uh, modern day version of it. He's full of another word for dung, <laughs> right? And that is what they're, that is what they're telling. And now, they're not telling the people that. They're telling themselves that, yeah. right? right? Because the next verse says, and Jesus knew their thoughts, yes. right? They're talking to themselves. So... They're in this, in there's, they're in a mindset or a narrative, a self-made narrative, in which they are saying they have seen the miracle, the man can't see and he can't speak, Jesus heals him, the people recognize it's fabulous, and they use the and they say to them, Is this not the son of David? Now, you understand, the Pharisees are looking for the son of David as the Messiah. They've been teaching them, the son of David's coming, the son of David. But what the people recognize is they recognize he is the Messiah. They don't correct them. They just say to themselves, oh no, it's not the Messiah. This guy's doing what he's doing by the Lord of Dung. Oh. All right, it is a vilification of them, but it is, they're not telling the people that they're telling themselves that. And that's the most important thing I could tell you right now. That they're telling themselves that. All right? So, uh, you have that evil man. He gets, he gets healed. And so, um, so, they don't correct them. They just associate Jesus with Beelzebub. What chapter, what scripture? That is Matthew chapter 12, yes. verse 22 through 32. Okay? So, Jesus knows their thought. And then he points out the absurdity of all. If Satan cast out seven, Satan, how is it going? How is this kingdom going to stand? And then he says, and if I'm casting it out by, by Beelzebub, what are your disciples doing? How are you doing it? All right. And so he turns it back on them. So, uh, but he says, if I am casting out devils by the spirit of God, then the kingdom has come unto you. All right. So you've got to think about this for a minute and get back into this uh, time this has taken place. Um, the Pharisees, he's answering the Pharisees' thoughts. Right. Yeah. That's the key. Now, yeah. I'm going to tell you something. I would freak out if somebody answered my thought after I had it. <laughs> I don't know about you guys, but if I was thinking somebody and somebody answered the thought I had, I'd freak out. That's what's going on right here. <laughs> my wife thinks she knows my thoughts. So, so under, so, so, their reasoning mind. He uh, addresses their thought, and it doesn't seem to phase him. It doesn't seem to, you know. This guy's challenging what we're thinking. What, what is going on here? And so 
uh, he simply tells them, if you're not for me, you're against me, yeah. right? You're either part of the solution or you're part of the problem, yeah. right? And of course, you guys are part of the problem. That's what he's saying to the Pharisees, oh, no. all right? Oh, no, we're Pharisees. So, yeah, so, so um, what Jesus is to the Pharisees and the Sadducees, he's an existential threat. That's what he is. They're going to lose everything if this Jesus continues to minister and, and teach and, and do what he's doing, all right? And so uh, every encounter they have with Jesus is always confrontational. If you read your New Testament, it is always a fight. It is always Jesus trying to reach, change the way they're thinking, to challenge the way they do things. Um, before you get out of Matthew, he says, you have heard, but I say unto you. You have heard, but I say unto you. And it was this challenge of what they were setting up. Uh, and of course, Jesus came not only to save us, but to challenge the thoughts of the Pharisees and Sadducees. So they were always at odds. Now, what happened usually was that the Pharisees left just about every encounter bloodied up. I mean, they got the bloody nose, if you can see it that way, all right? So um, uh, I'll give you a few instances. In Matthew chapter 16 and verse number 3, would you read that, Brother Stevens? And in the morning it will be foul weather today, and for the sky is red and lowering. Oh, you hypocrites, ye can discern the face of the sky, but you cannot discern the signs of the time. When's the last time you looked somebody in the face and called him a hypocrite? <laughs> <coughs> but Jesus, by the way, Jesus is the only one qualified to call anybody else a hypocrite. Uh -huh. Nobody in this room is qualified to call anybody a hypocrite. Only Jesus, all right? And his, in his qualification, he looks them in the face. What do you think they felt like when he said, you hypocrites? How do you the think Sadducees. they responded? With the Sadducees? Mad. They yep. said, yeah, Mad and matter. You understand, Sadducees and Pharisees are religious people. You don't challenge religious people. They will get into your grill. They will say things you never thought a Christian would say. <laughs> All right? So, so. He says, you're hypocrites, in verse 3. Then in verse 4, what does he say? A wicked and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, and there shall no sign be given unto it but the sign of the prophet Jonas, and he left them and departed. Okay, so understand. He's called them hypocrites. Adulterous. He's called them adulterers, and now he's called them wicked. Yeah. All right? Right to their face, okay? But then in verse number six, he turns to his disciples. And what does he say to his disciples? And Jesus said unto them, Take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. You better watch out for the doctrine of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Uh -huh. What's that? It's dangerous. Keep reading. Sorry. And they reason among themselves, saying, It is because he had taken no bread okay they, they were a little dense he wasn't talking about bread he was talking about doctrine okay so he says the you got to be careful because sadducee and pharisee doctrine is dangerous it's, it's it's teaching. doctrine is teaching okay it's dangerous to your mental health 
that's where it's dangerous. Mm-hmm. All right? Mm-hmm. So, um, so essentially he said, they're a bunch of frauds. But God tells us to stick to that which he first was taught. What's that? And there's a scripture where God says, stick to that which you was first taught. That's exactly right. Yeah, by, by the apostles, uh, exactly. So, um, Jesus even exposes them, and I'm just trying to give you a picture of this, this ongoing confrontation to really get you to understand, because it's important when we get to the blasphemy of the Holy Ghost. That's, this is important, okay? So, he uses parables to expose them. One of the parables that is, is one of the many times the scriptures is misunderstood is in this parable in Luke chapter 16. And if somebody would read me that parable there. And he said also to his disciples, there was a certain rich man which had a steward, and the same was accused unto him that he had wasted his goods. And he called him and said unto him, How is it that I hear this of thee? Give an account of thy stewardship, for thou mayest be no longer steward. Then the steward said within himself, What shall I do? For my Lord taketh away from me the stewardship. I cannot dig to beg. I am ashamed. I am resolved what to do, that when I am put out of the stewardship, they may receive me into their houses. So he called every one of his Lord's debtors unto him, and said unto the first, How much owest thou unto my Lord? And he said, An hundred measures of oil. And he said unto him, Take thy bill, and set down quickly, and write fifty. And then, and then said he to another, And how much owest thou? And he said, An hundred measures of wheat. And he said unto him, Take thy bill and write fourscore. Now here's the, here's the part nobody gets. Watch. Next verse. And the Lord commanded the unjust, commended the unjust steward, because he had done wisely. For the children of this world are in their generation wiser than the children of light. Okay, so how many people are offended that the unjust work gets commended? Right. Yeah. Right. Do, does anybody have this 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 understanding of justice and here's this unjust work being commended? Yeah. That's what messes people's yeah. brains up. Yeah. yeah. That he is being commended for being unjust. Right. No, he's not being commended for being unjust. He is an unjust steward. In other words, he's mismanaged his Lord's provisions. A steward, what a steward does is he distributes and he keeps a record of the tally of things or the money, all right? He keeps a ledger, all right? And he distributes as his Lord wills, right? What this particular uh, steward did is he didn't distribute. What he did is he stored it away and it went to spoil. Yeah. That's why it's called he spoiled his goods. Yeah. All right? It went it went bad because he was storing it. What was he supposed to do with all the goods of it? He was everybody say make distribution. Make distribution. So he's unjust. He gets called in because he's his, his the, the master's goods have gone and been spoiled, right? He calls him in and says, "You're going to you're kicked out of you go make an accounting because you're already you're you're done you're fired, right?" 
And so he thought, oh no, what am I going to do? So he's thinking about self-preserving. Lost my job, what am I going to do? So he calls in these debtors to his Lord. He cuts their, one cuts 50% and the other is 60, cuts them. And the Lord comes along and says, I commend you for that. Why is he commending them? Because the steward was supposed to be distributing to the people all along. And now he's finally got it. You don't hoard it. You distribute it, right? Okay, here's a lesson on what's called first audience. Listen to what I'm saying. When you read the Bible, there is a first audience. Who's the first audience here? The people who's writing to you. The Jews. Who's, G- who's Jesus talking about? He's in a confrontation with the Jews, is he not? He's saying, you Jews are the unjust Stuart, God has given you these things, and instead of distributing it, you've hoarded it. Us four and no more. Uh We're the Jewish people. Yes. It's like the rich and the poor and the medium between the poor. Yeah. Instead of giving to the people, look, the Jews were called to do exactly what we're called to do. Take the goodness of God and distribute it to people. Right. Share it. Right? Am I right? Okay, let me tell you the difference between Christianity and religion. Religion condemns people. Yes, it does. Condemnation. That's right. Condemn, condemn, you lousy, dirty, rotten, low-down sinner. (laughs) Right? Christianity is not about calling people sinners. Christianity is about sharing God's goodness and His mercy. And his provision. Yes. Well, well, they're not in church. Doesn't matter if they're in church or not. God's everywhere. We're called to distribute God's goodness. Yes. Everybody say amen. Amen. They were the unjust steward because they hoarded it. And when they hoarded it, it spoiled. When the salt goes back, throw it away. Nobody got blessed. Right. Not even the one with hoarding it got blessed. Right. Okay. So So the so so now here's another confrontation. He's confronting them because they're unjust. Now you're sin you're you're hypocrites, (laughs) you're wicked, you're adulterers, and now you're unjust. You talk about confrontation. (laughs) And all through the New Testament, he's he's confronting them on their notions. Now, why is he doing it? It's important to the lesson. And the lesson is about blaspheming the Holy Ghost. That's that's the important issue here, okay? So, um, um... let me get to my notes here. I got that, 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 that. Okay, so there's animosity at every, every. It's developing. It's growing. It's becoming worse and worse, and um, and so he he heals the blind man, that blind man that cannot speak. The people recognizes a miracle. They say, "Isn't this the son of David? Isn't that the one you've been telling us coming? Isn't this the Messiah?" The and the and the Jews in their mind say. He's doing this by the Lord of Dung. It is, an, it is a t- 
terrible vilification of what has happened. Mm-hmm. They don't care about the man being deaf and dumb. No. And now he's not. No. Right. They only care that I'm, I'm not going to accept this. Yeah. I'm losing now, my authority. That's right. Yeah. Now, why are they doing this? Because, listen to me, because this is, this is important, folks. They built a narrative mm-hmm. within their own minds. And I'm telling you, it's, that's, that's an important idea here. This is in their minds. They have built this thing to where now, they can't repent of it. Yeah. Right. Okay, well, blasphemy the Holy Spirit is what we're going they have, right. they have gotten to the place where they are so against Jesus Oof. that they have built themselves a jail they're now inhabiting. Everybody got it? Blasphemy of the Holy Ghost is not a singular thing you do and then you're damned forever. Right. right. Blasphemy as the Holy Ghost is when you build a scenario. A lifestyle. And build a thought process and build this idea, this mental uh, uh, narrative against what you hate. And now you're stuck in it and you can never come to repentance. What, what is repentance, everybody? What is it? Turn Remember? What? Yeah. Turn away from 180 degree turn. Yeah. Okay. The first, yeah, turn away is right. It's right, sis. But it is tertiary. I mean, it's the third thing down in the, de- in the definition. Repentance, first and foremost, is change the way you think. Yes. Yes. Very good. That's repentance. Good. You got to change the way you think because if you don't, you're going to build a narrative. That's right. It is. This is a. I'm going to tell you guys that spiritual warfare, and we're going to get to that. Spiritual warfare is a mental exercise. I'm right here. Yes. I've been at it for over a year. I know from Got it? <laughs> it's what goes on up here. Casting down imaginations. And so what they've done, what they've done is they've created this thing. Now, don't raise your hand, but how many people have created a narrative in your own mind sometimes yeah. where you're just being, excuse me for using the term, Stupid. (laughs) (laughs) But when you don't know no better. Right? You build this narrative, something happens, and you get all kinds of thoughts about whose fault it is and why you have a right to be mad about this. Right? Got it. And what you've got to understand that you're going to build your own prison that way very good build we build our own prisons by the narratives we tell ourselves stuff happens to us Let, let, let me say it this way it doesn't matter what happens to you the only thing that matters is what you're going to do about it. Right. Mm-hmm. If you're not here, I'm going to destroy the body. Get you're either better. going to get bitter, mm-hmm. yeah. or you're going to get better. That's yeah. right. That's right. Keep on keeping on. Thank you, Jesus.
Jesus. Run the race seven points. Nobody, yeah, nobody in here has ever been done wrong by anybody, right? <laughs> Set, we're to run the race that's been set before us every day. Yes, ma'am. And so, so anybody know how? Anybody, anybody ever gotten on the the endless track and just gone round and round the problem, but the problem doesn't get solved? Yeah. And the more times you go around the problem, the bigger narrative oh, yeah. you build yeah. until yeah. you get to the place that you can't change your mind. That's right. Yeah. That is what the Jews faced. Yeah. It is specifically for the Jews. It's not Christians that he's talking to. He's talking to the Jews. The and they have gotten to the place where they can't even change their mind about the Messiah that has come to save them. Oh, man. That's right. They built it. Yeah. So, uh, let's see. Who did I give this last one to? Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Okay, this is Paul. He's writing the Corinthians. And do you understand <coughs> the Corinthian church had issues? <laughs> Right? <laughs> One of the issues they had were, were these Jews that had attached themselves to the Christian church. And now they complain about Paul who brought them the gospel. Yeah. Uh -oh. yeah. They're tearing Paul down and Paul is going to confront them here. Go on, sis. Mm -hmm. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. All right, strongholds. Read. Casting down imaginations. Casting down what? Imaginations. Imaginations, okay. And every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. Right, and? Bring it into captivity every, every thought. thought to the obedience of Christ. Of Christ. Spiritual warfare mm -hmm. takes place right here, folks. Yes, this thing that we're all walking around and casting out devils out of chairs. <laughs> <laughs> the devil's in the building. Right? It just don't, it's this ooey gooey spooky stuff, mm -hmm. you know. We're all worried about the Satan. We need to worry about. We need to focus on what's the hat bug. That's right. So. Everybody worried about Satan. This is where our this is where our battle takes place. Is how we think. And we have got to understand that we have to we have to weaponize our minds. And by weaponizing our minds, what we're what you got to understand is what's going on in your head. What you think. What you is is important. Very good. Say is important too. Don't let yourself go down a road where you build a scenario that you can't change your mind right. from. Right. Yes, right. sir. I've been in this way all my life. Yeah. I'm not about change. Okay. <laughs> Truth. It's not something 
you possess. Right. Truth. Truth is something you pursue. That's right. So good. It's Christianity. Godly life. Let me say it again. I, I, I tell our folks, whenever you hear somebody says, we have the truth, I say, run. <laughs> it's not about having the truth. It's about pursuing the truth. And if you pursue the truth, you'll find it. If you have it, you won't go looking for it. Right. So understand that. Understand. This battle is in our mind. Our, our religion is about God. Christianity is about relationship. That's the difference. It's my relationship with God. It's when, of course, I don't ever have build scenarios in my life. <laughs> I don't ever waste time thinking about something that happened that I don't like. No, I don't. <laughs> I'm so above that. <laughs> We all build scenarios. Yes. And we've got to weaponize our mind and we've got to say, Am I thinking the right way here about this? That's good. That's so good. Um, something that just recently happened in our church, we had a girl that had been coming for a long time. She had she's got more problems you shake a stick at, but she's been faithfully coming to church. And she's kind of slacked off. And everybody wants to call her and say, where were you? Why weren't you in church? And I tell them, don't do that. What you want to do is you want to distribute God's goodness. You call her up, you say, we love you. We want you to have a great day. We missed you. That's it. That's distributing the goodness of God to people. But if you say, where were you? Oh, yeah. You're a bad person. You didn't come to church. Where were you? What were you doing? Right? And we have to challenge those things. We have to challenge how we talk to people. We have to challenge how we treat people. We have to challenge the way we think about things. Because if you don't, you won't find repentance. You can't get to a place where you can change your mind. And so, I'm done, I'm done with this. Blasphemy of the Holy Ghost happens to people who have built a scenario and built their own prison that they get stuck in. Stop building the prison house. You've been set free by Jesus Christ. Stop building your own prisons. Last thing. Unforgiveness is a terrible thing. Yes. And God is not an unforgiving God. Right. Right. There's a story that I like to tell about un unforgiveness. It's about a man who is in jail. And it's dark. And it's damp. And he's been there for a couple years. And the man doesn't under realize it but there's a secret passage in the back of of his cell that he has never found 
But one day he stumbles and he finds there's this hidden passage. And so he starts walking out the passage. And as he comes out into the sunlight, he's realized he's always had a way out. Yeah. He just never knew it was there. Right. Yeah. And the passageway is called forgiveness. Yes. And when he gets out, he realizes he kept himself yeah. in the prison. Right. That's right. While forgiveness right. was always there yes. to lead him back into the sunlight. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Here's the kicker, is when you find forgiveness, you realize you get set free. Yeah. Yes. Right. Yes. Mm -hmm. As long as you don't forgive, you're in it. Uh, uh, Mandela said it best. Don't drink the poison and then expect the other person to die. Right. That's yeah. right. Oh. Yeah. So good. When you, when you forgive, does, does it not say you forgive how many times he asked you? 70 times 7. But that's not if he asked, right? Okay. Well, here's, here's, how it, here, here's how it is. Forgiveness is only... Um, viable. So am I finding forgiveness for myself or am I forgiving somebody else? Okay. Forgiveness is only viable when it is, when it is given and when it's received. That's when it's... We walk around with it to be given. If they don't receive it, there's nothing you do about that. But what we do is we walk around with a forgiving heart. That doesn't mean you be stupid where somebody comes and robs you yeah. and abuses you, yeah. and then you invite them up for dinner. Right. That's stupid. <laughs> right. yeah. It means that I don't have any of my, I don't want any hurt for you, right. uh, you know. But uh, you don't get to walk in my house and have dinner with me. All right? So, anybody, anybody got something they want to say or add to what I just talked about? Or The Bible talks about that he forgiveth all our sins. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's hard to disqualify that and say, but there's one that you can't be. That's, that's incongruous. Incongruent. Um, it's not consistent. And there's one thing I like the Bible uh, that I've learned to appreciate it so much is that there are so many things that validate a right thinking. It's not just one verse. So, comments, thoughts? Thank you. Yeah, that was Wasn't that good? good? Very yeah. good. Did you all enjoy that? Yes. Very really good. You got to learn to forgive yourself, too. Yeah. 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 Can I challenge that? Yeah. Sure. Okay. You don't have the right to forgive yourself. Mm -hmm. Huh? I said, you don't have the right to forgive yourself. Hey, what do you mean? God has the right to forgive you. Oh, right? Our, our sins are not against ourselves. Well, where does that phrase come from then? Where does it come from? Well, it's, a, it's, it's used a lot in psychology. You must forgive yourself. Right. Well, you don't have the power to forgive yourself. Right? You see what I'm saying? Uh, if, you want, if you want forgiveness for yourself, you're going to have to die for yourself. And you can't die and live at the same time, right? And so what, what that is, is that's a psychological ploy that says you don't need, you don't need forgiveness from God. You need it from 
self. We need forgiveness from God. Yeah. It is him that we have sinned against. Even when we sin against somebody else, it's still against God because that is a child of God that we sinned against. All right. So if I could, if that, am I, if, is that good? All right. We don't have the power to forgive ourselves. We, to love ourselves we, love we need Jesus yeah. Christ to forgive us. I, th I think what people misuse that term by uh, way of expressing that once you're forgiven, don't let your past failures right. keep you from moving right. forward. Exactly. But put the forgiveness back on right. the one that's the yeah. forgiver, right. and that's God. Yeah. You're the first, first person I've ever heard that we're not supposed to be calling any other people hypocrites. Yeah. Fool. Uh -huh. Who are you? Yeah. 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 Really? Who, who do you think you are? Is that the pot calling the kettle? Oh, you must think you're Jesus Christ. Calling yeah. the kettle black. Well, I find that a lot of not a lot of people, but I find some people that put themselves in a position of authority, uh, they tend to almost turn themselves into. Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. they, they, they tend to put their sales At least the judge. In those shoes, in those shoes you're going, ah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll share something. Since we have some time here, I'll share something with you. All right? I've known a few dictators in my life. Yeah. What's dictator mean? <clears throat> <laughs> a dictator is someone who Makes you do rules, things, rules yeah, over you. Control freaks. Yeah. Um, I'm right, and if you challenge me, you're a bad person. Bully. Bully. Uh, I'm the preacher, and you have no right to challenge what I think. That is what I'm talking about when I talk about dictators. Right. Now, I'll tell you what their favorite verse is. Uh -oh. yeah. You want their dictator's favorite verse? Yeah. I'm talking about preachers because that's what I am. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm talking about people like me, right? Obey, Obey, those, that Obey those, those that have the rule over you. Yeah. Yeah. That's called submit myself unto the Lord. Okay, so that is in Hebrews. I believe it's chapter 12 and 17, I believe it is. Would somebody look that up? Obey them that have the rule yeah. over you. Well, we're supposed to pray for a president and those in higher authority. Mm -hmm. We sure are. Yes, ma'am. Acknowledge. Him. 13, 18, 13, 16. I think it's 13, isn't it? Yeah, it's 13, 12, yeah, someplace in there. Uh, 1317. 1317. Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls, as they that must give account, that they may do, do it with joy and not with grief. Okay. For that is unprofitable for you. Okay. So let's set that over here, okay? Let's set that scripture over here. Hebrew. Obey them that have the rule over you. Submit yourselves, right? Okay. But now let's go to what Jesus teaches. Jesus teaches his disciples, and he says to his disciples, the Gentiles exercise authority on their people. But it shall not be so with you. He that would be great in the kingdom of God must be the servant of all. How do you square what Jesus taught his disciples with Hebrews that says, obey them that have the rule over you? How, how do you square that? You don't. Ain't no, no. 
Well, you got to get a little bit deeper in looking at the scripture because that word obey is only used two times out of 57, 58, someplace around there, different references to it. The other, all the other times it says, be persuaded. Allow people to persuade you. But you got to know that you know. Yes. But you also need to have some, you have to have an openness of saying, I'm not so closed off that you can't teach me anything. I know it all. Right? It's, it's be persuaded the, for, uh, by those who have the rule over you. Now, that's not the rule over your person. That's the rule over the subject matter. It's the authority of the subject matter he's talking about. Okay, if you have a doctor that is proficient at a certain uh, operation on a heart, uh, 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 replacing a heart valve or something like that, okay? You know what they call him? He's the authority of that procedure, right? It doesn't mean he gets to tell all the other doctors what to do. It simply means he has, he has perfected this particular um, heart heart uh, procedure, and he is the authority over that procedure. That's what Paul's saying. He's saying, be persuaded by people who know what they're talking right. about. Right. Not obey whether you understand it or not, because I'm the boss. This is Mark 10:42. But Jesus called him to uh, them to him, and saith unto them, Ye know that they which are accounted to rule over the Gentiles exercise lordship over them and their great ones exercise authority upon them but so shall it not be among you but whosoever will be great among you shall be your minister and whosoever of you will be the chiefest shall be the servant of all okay so you understand it's servanthood we're aiming for and what was the biggest and the reason i'm bringing this up we're talking about confrontation of Jesus with the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Their doctrine is dangerous. Yeah. You know why? They rule over people, yeah. not if, the subject matter. Right. What if, like, I don't want a conversation now. What if, like, people, like a church, and people are like, um, I want to say stop and, I mean, like, they're standing at the door watching, to, I mean, not watching to see who comes in, but. It's they're not letting everybody, I don't know, maybe I'm looking the wrong way, but I'm thinking they're at the door, not letting any, not letting everybody in, but they're watching to see who comes in. I guess it depends on how I wait it out, but I don't see no need in stopping anybody from coming into the Father's house, right. or Heavenly Father. But um, is that what you mean? Something like that? Well, uh, Jesus talks about the Pharisees, how they shut the windows of heaven to those that would be served, and they themselves won't go in. And so, yes, religious people. I got off on judge, not you can judge the same manner. But who are we to say? But I was in the process. I thought they were talking about me being there. And then I told them, this ain't your house, this ain't my house. This is my, all our Heavenly Father's house. Right. And what I would say to you is, I would say this, is that our job is to lifestyle, my job. Yeah, I'll say it. Our job, just to just to try to clarify, or our lifestyle. Okay, our lifestyle and our job is distribute goodness, goodness. Yeah. love, 
That's God right. is love. And so even when we're put in a situation where our situation is negative, we're supposed to distribute love. Yeah. That's where we do it. Yeah. Well, we get mad or not. It's not how many times you fall, it's how long things get. All over our That's open right. Arms. That's right. You, you, yeah. you know, t you gotta, you gotta crawl across the death of Jesus to go to hell. You gotta, you gotta work at it to go to hell. Look, you don't work at it to go to heaven. God works in you. Right. You're not working to go to heaven. God works in you. It's not a job last well, let's let's do this. Any thoughts on this today? Any any ideas? I I'm not trying to shepherd the foster up, but I, no, I no. do want to give everyone a chance. Sorry. Sometimes Sorry. these things, um, the, the word of God is a way of just speaking to us. And I'm not asking you to confess something that you don't want to or something. And um, I just want to give everyone a chance to be able to say, I I can I want to be better at revealing God's mercy and his love in my life through my life I want to be that tool that God can use to help people to to know that there's a God who's not out there just judging them sometimes we're going to Bible with some people we read right so I'm not going to judge I'm not going to be call someone else a hypocrite I'm not going to forgive myself. I'm. I need God to forgive me. I like that. Whatever. That was a good thought. You gotta forgive, be forgiven. Amen. Anyone else? Just always be ready to um, shoot that that thought down when it comes in your mind about you know because there's yeah there's so much that we go through with people because we're all people and it's easy to start building that wall and yeah. just always be prepared to knock that brick out of your hand and before yeah. it gets that's good don't, <laughs> never have, don't lay the first brick <laughs> well if you're in the middle of it yeah. stop, stop and knock it down but we fight not against flesh and blood. That's right. Amen. If all of us had a little bit of her energy, we'd be running around. Sounds like you're wishing for something you're not going to get. She's 